This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, the average cost of home insurance continuing to rise. It recently passed an average of $1,900 a year nationwide, but the cost in some cities already double or triple that amount because we have seen a sharp rise in the number of storms occurring every year. A recent opinion piece in the New York Times discusses how much insurers are changing their mindset and developing a new mindset around the cost of insurance because of these impacts. Ben Keyes was the author of that article. He is a real estate professor here at the Wharton School. Ben, great to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Dan. Thank you. All right. Insurers, you say, are pulling back in some areas where they might have insured in the past. Uh, So we're already seeing an impact like that because they understand uh, how much more frequent these storms are coming at us. That's right. Insurers are on the front lines in thinking about pricing climate risk. And I think they have more data, more flexibility and uh, and are more responsive over a, over a shorter time period than than almost any other player um, in the sort of risk transfer chain. If you want to think about that, so who's exposed to, to climate risk? Well, you know, I think that there's just uh, you know they're often taking some of the very first losses uh, after a disaster, so they're really sensitive to these concerns, and we're seeing them respond in, in pretty aggressive ways. We're seeing them raise their premiums. We're seeing them cut back on their coverage. And we're seeing them leave some markets entirely. So what's the expectation then on, on what we're going to see play out? Because you would think, at least for the time being, uh, you're talking about kind of a one-way street here uh, of prices continuing to increase. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a fascinating question of how this is going to play, or play out in the longer term. I think you know, the first dimension uh, of this is going to be felt in the in the insurance market and so if you're not able to find uh, an affordable insurance policy or um, maybe there are no private insurers offering policies at all we're going to see an increase in uh, state programs um, that are either um, state funded or or state backed um, providing these kinds of of homeowners insurance policies. We're already seeing this in Florida where the citizens um, property insurance uh, entity is now the largest insurer in the entire state. Um, And that's a state-backed program, um, which has some additional powers in terms of uh, the the role that it can play in in setting rates and uh, charging additional surcharges if they don't have enough capital. But I think what you're going to see first is is a realignment in some of these insurance markets. And that risk is going to be borne by someone else. So if it's not borne by the private insurers, it's going to be borne by these state entities who are going to charge generally higher premiums and offer lower coverage. And that means homeowners are going to be more exposed. And the interesting side to this, Ben, is also uh, of kind of what we're in the middle of right now. Uh, You have a a shortage in the housing market. Uh, We're coming through a time where more and more people are wanting to move uh, south, uh, either to Florida or to the Southwest. And so some of those states, as you uh, just kind of alluded to, are going to be running an even greater uh, bearing and uh, importance uh, in this process in the years ahead. Yeah, and this is the tension that I try to draw out in my op-ed and in a longer um, uh, piece of testimony that I wrote for, uh, for the Senate Budget Committee earlier this spring. I, you know, I think one of the challenges for people right now is, is that we're just not seeing the effects of these rising insurance costs 
on the housing market right now. House prices are up uh, more than 35% uh, since the start of COVID. And they're up even more in these more climate-exposed areas. So think of Florida, think of Arizona, um, think of uh, you know coastal Carolinas. Those are areas that have been very popular um, as people have been accelerating their retirement plans, moving out of cities. The benefits of work from home mean that people want to, uh, in many cases, work in warmer climates, uh, sunny climates where they can be outside more of the year. And so these other factors that are pushing up prices in the housing market are really masking this underlying cost and the underlying risk. Normally, if we were to see insurance premiums rise, uh, first we'd expect prices uh, in these markets to fall simply because there's just a higher cost of being a homeowner. So the higher cost of homeownership, getting that insurance policy every year, um, should drive down the willingness to pay for a house. On top of that, uh, a higher insurance premium conveys some information. Uh, Home buyers are now learning, hey, this is actually going to be a riskier market. And with that additional information, that may further reduce house prices because now you're going to discount the, the likelihood that you're going to you know, avoid, uh, avoid these kinds of harms in the future. And so you're, you're learning about your risk in addition to paying a higher price. And we're just not seeing either of those channels uh, leading to lower prices. And if anything, it's the opposite. And so I think this is a, a critical time to try to understand exactly what's going on in these insurance markets a little bit below the surface. This isn't aware, uh, you know, to necessarily being made aware to everyone as they're buying these homes. And I think people are making some decisions that may prove costly in the long run. How much then do you think the federal government will be involved in this process longer term? Well, the interest, the interesting dimension of this is that so many of these insurance markets are regulated at the state level. So, yeah. Uh, you know, homeowners insurance is regulated at the state level. There's a very small federal office that does a bit of monitoring, but most of the regulation is done at the state level. These uh, these homeowners insurance programs uh, that are are being uh, developed to um, to backstop the, these markets are all being developed at the state level. And I think there's a there's a question going forward about whether that's the right level of of regulation and and government involvement, or whether we need some new national entity that can help in some of these situations. And so we see things like the National Flood Insurance Program, the NFIP, uh, which was propped up in the 1960s in the, you know, to solve exactly this problem, that there wasn't good flood insurance coverage, that it, was, it wasn't consistently being reported and consistently being offered uh, throughout the country. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see a development uh, going forward where we see something similar for something like wildfire insurance, which is you know, having huge effects on the California uh, property uh, property insurance market, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, an entity set up for things like wind damage or or other some some of these other perils that um, are difficult to predict um, that may benefit from you know having some of the cross subsidization across different markets. It, whether we yeah. see these these markets collapse entirely and and who bears that cost, I mean, there's going to be a resistance uh, at the federal level to to bearing some of those costs. I don't think the rest of the country wants to insure Florida, uh, the Florida housing market. But, you know, guess what? We already do. <laughs> we already do it in, sure. in a number of, of ways. We, we provide uh, federal support through that NFIP program, that flood insurance program, which um, has never been actuarially uh, fair in terms of its pricing of premiums. We, we finance Florida housing through uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, uh, the FHA, other federal programs that don't price regional risk. So those entities don't do any risk-based pricing 
based on, on climate. Um, and then we, we fund it through, uh, through the ex post uh, disaster relief programs, so the FEMA grant programs, the SBA uh, disaster loan programs, these other uh, federal programs. And so there's a number of ways in which we already subsidize housing along Florida's coastline nationwide, you and me, <laughs> in ways that are maybe not obvious. And I think yeah. the question is, you know, do we formalize this uh, these subsidies in, in more direct ways, or do we pull back some of those subsidies and uh, and push uh, the owners who are in these spaces to say, hey, the, the, the cost of owning in these areas should should reflect the risk in, in a more direct way. You had a, 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 an interesting comment in your piece that I'd like to have you expand upon. You said, it's hard to make decisions based on things we haven't experienced. But by ignoring the growing consequences of climate change, we're investing too much in potentially hazardous areas in a way that's hard to unwind. Expand on that a little bit. Yeah, the point there is that we're making very durable long-term decisions in where we build houses in this country. And with that, where we build houses, we build infrastructure. We build roads. Uh, we install sewer pipes. We, we build electric, electric wires. Uh, we provide a range of, of other services that are that are difficult to move, and so when we're we're seeing these these big price increases in places like Florida, in places like uh, like Arizona, uh, Texas, and elsewhere, um, what what the natural response is from the home builders and the home developers to say, hey, well that's where prices are rising fastest, that's where supply and demand are most out of whack, that's where we need to go build more houses. And so the choices that we're making right now uh, it, during the sort of COVID, you know, extended COVID housing boom um, are going to have a long-term ramifications for where building happens in the next few years. And those communities are going to be you know, locked in place for a very, very long time. And so the choices that we make now uh, are very difficult to, uh, to shift away from. And I think you know, this is, again, a role potentially for uh, for government to come in and, and to, to make the prices more aligned with the true risk and recognize that in some of these areas, they're going to be extremely risky in the coming 20, 30, 50 years. Yeah. Ben, great to talk with you. I have to end it there as we're at the uh, top of the hour. Thanks again for joining us. Ben Keyes, Wharton uh, Real Estate Professor. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.